Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. We're talking about knowing the Lord and His ways, and we're finding out that God does want to be known, and He wants His ways to be known by His people. There's something that is very important to us right now that we need to keep ourselves in remembrance of, and that is that Satan rules, governs, operates the best that he can through promoting fear. And fear is not of God. We're not talking about a fear that represents reverence or respect from God. We're talking about fear. We're talking about frightened, being afraid that something is going to hurt you. And that fear, we know, started in the Garden of Eden when after um, Adam disobeyed the Lord. And then the Lord came on the scene, you know, looking for his fellowship time with Adam. And he said, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, um, I hid myself because I was what? Afraid. And so right then at that, that point of disobedience is when Satan and his fear was introduced to mankind. And fear does some very interesting things in the lives of people who receive it. For one, it paralyzes. Another thing that it does is it separates. It separates men and women from God, but it also separates us from one another. And it also brings destruction. Now, I wanted to, to take some time this morning to remind us of some things before we go on to this next point in talking about the Lord and um, knowing and understanding him and his ways. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, the scripture tells us something interesting about Job. Now, I know about you, but I know over the course of my Christianity, I heard a lot of things about Job. And of course, a lot of people talk about his suffering and why the things that came on him that they did and that God was doing all kinds of stuff to him. But the Bible gives us a very interesting clue to all of the went on in Job's life and why it happened to him. In Job chapter 3 and verse 25, and after Job went through, you know, all these different things and went on with him and gave us a little history about himself, whatever. Verse 25, he says, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Now, if you want to draw and you want to attract the negative things to you, then you go ahead and walk in fear because that is exactly what the fear is going to do. But if you will take what God says and you will believe, first of all, his love for you and you will stand on that love and you will stand in faith for the things that he's told you to stand for, then that will push that force of fear away from you. And along with that fear being pushed away from you will be the attraction of those negative things that people can become so afraid of are going to happen to them. Now, if you're walking around afraid that a coronavirus is going to get a hold of you, well, chances are some kind of sickness and disease is going to attach itself to you. If you're afraid of somebody doing something to you and you constantly walk in that and you talk about it, then you're going to attract that stuff to you. On the other hand, if we make up our minds that we're going to stand for what God says in his word and declare that fear has no dominion over us and that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, you know, fear is so interesting because we can, we can get to a place that we respect it so much that we will start reasoning and our reasoning will be totally and completely out of line with what the Bible is telling us. It's just like it's amazing. You know, people talk, look at what's going on around us right now. And, I, you know, we mention it. People talk about it. First things people do is run for toilet paper. It is an amazing thing. Fear will make you irrational. 
if you receive it. And so people will run more for toilet paper than they'll run for food. An amazing thing. I just, it's really amazing. But that is what fear will do to you. It will cause you to become irrational in your thinking. And things that have nothing to do with the situation at hand will become the things that become most important. As believers, God has already told us, I have not given you the spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind. A sound mind. <laughs> a sound mind. Hallelujah. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 13. This is one of the most important things that we can look at right now as God's people. And as we go out into the world and the highways and the byways, we need to be encouraging people not to be afraid, to fear not. Just like God says all through the Bible, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Isaiah 41 from verse 10. God says, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will do what? I'll strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as what? Nothing. And they that strive with you shall, be, shall perish. You shall seek them and shall not find them. Even them that contend with you, they that war against you shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. He said, I'll do what? I'll hold your right hand, didn't he? I'll hold your right hand. <laughs> and he said, fear not. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's take a look at Luke chapter 21. I'm going to say some things this morning, and something I'm going to say that I have been, it's been on my heart for years that I never really, have have said in any kind of detail. I'm going to share it this morning. I'm going to say some things this morning are going to be kind of strong, but we need some things kind of strong to us this morning in the times that we're living in. In Luke chapter 21, beginning with verse 25, I want you to say this with me. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. I'll not fear a virus. I'll not fear infirmity. I'll not fear sickness and disease. And I certainly will not fear Lucifer or any of his demons. In the name of Jesus, I will not fear what they are promoting. I refuse to fear. I reject fear. I will not fear because the Lord is on my side. He lives in me. He's mighty in me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I will not fear what man can do to me. My God is greater. My God is greater. And men operating under the authority of Satan must bow their knee along with him to the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. 
Now, Luke 21 from verse 25, Jesus was talking about some of the things that would happen in the latter times. And he said, there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for what looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So now, if men are looking and thinking about all of the crazy things that are going to happen on this earth, then that's going to do what? It's going to promote fear. But if we're looking at this and looking at what God says in this, it's going to promote faith and love, healing, protection, peace in our lives on all the things that God has told us that are part of the kingdom that we belong to. So men's hearts will fail them for fear. We are not of those who are full of fear. Now, Matthew chapter 10. Remember, fear paralyzes, fear separates, fear brings destruction. Now, I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to remember that I'm not reading anything that I wrote. I'm reading what God had men wrote right in the pages of the word. Matthew 10 from verse 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who's in heaven. Think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Isn't that interesting that he would say that? Somebody said, really? Yeah, he said it. He said, I didn't come to send peace but a sword. Now, you know what a sword will do is what? It will divide. And I'll tell you one of the things that's going on right now is that there is a division that is taking place. And I'm not talking about just out in the, in the world. I'm talking about inside the church, inside of God's house. Because there are people all over the church world who have proclaimed, yep, yeah, I'm a Christian and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to tell you right now, because of the things that are going on, we're going to find out who really, really is a man, woman, boy, or girl of God. We don't have to shout amen too loud. But we're going to find out who's for real. We're going to find out who's been fronting. We're going to find out who's walking in faith and love and who's walking in fear. Because those times are upon us where people are going to have to decide, okay, which side of this line am I on? And we go on reading. Oh, boy. He says in verse 34 again, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, see, what Jesus is looking for more than anything else are people who are going to stand with and for him, even at the expense of other people not wanting to walk with him, even if it means they're family members. Now, I know that can sound crazy, but Jesus said it. I didn't say it. I'm just reading it. And so it would behoove us 
in our individual lives, first of all, we make our number one commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, let me tell you something. As a preacher, that's what I have made. And I'm letting you know that today. I'm letting you hear it. I'm letting y'all hear it. Because whatever it is that God says, that's what I'm going to stand for and I'm going to proclaim to you. And it's not going to get any less than it has been over the years. Matter of fact, it's going to become more intensified. It has to be that way. God is needing men and women who call themselves preachers and call of God to stand up for what the Bible says and to stand up for what the kingdom of God is saying, regardless of what they think about themselves. He said, if you're going to protect your own life, you're going to end up losing it. He said, but if you lose it for my sake and the kingdom of God's sake and the gospel's sake, what are you going to do? You'll find it. And so my encouragement to each of you that are here, each of you who are online, whoever of you will hear this message later on, you need to make sure that you've made a firm commitment in your mind that your number one commitment is to, Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember something I heard Brother Copeland say years ago. He said, what you compromise to keep, you're going to lose. You see, so if you compromise to keep something, you're going to end up losing it anyway because of your compromise. So make the decision that regardless of what it looks like around you or what other people are doing, even if it's in your own household, Jesus is number one. And whatever he says in this book, that's what you're going to do and what you're going to live by. I heard somebody out there say amen. amen. Hallelujah. I heard somebody say it. All right. Now, I want to remind us of something because I, I get really excited when I see things come to pass. And I don't get excited because of bad things happening, but I get excited because I look back at all the years that we have shared in the word of God, the things that God has brought to us. And when I see things happening and coming to pass, it just reinforces the fact that what God has been saying to us over the years is what he's been saying it to us for real. We hadn't been making anything up. I went back in my mind to some messages that we shared back from July 2nd, through December 17, 2017. And the title of that particular series was Four Things That Must Happen. Some of you may remember it. Uh, if you're copious with your notes, you go back and you see, oh, yeah. That day and time, from July 2nd, 2017, right on through December 17th, that's what we were talking about. And we talked about four things that have to take place in the true church before the church is done with its assignment in the earth. Four things that must happen, that the scriptures say must happen. And so I want to remind you of those things this morning. Notice we said true church, all right? There are four things that must take place through the true church, the believers who are committed to the Lord and serious about the Father's plan and their place in it, not the apostate church, all right? Now, there'll be some in the church and church gatherings that we'll find out are not the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, look at a, a couple of scriptures here. First Timothy chapter four and verse one. Now I'm going to remind you, I'm going to do like Elder Franks did. I'm just reading the Bible. Just reading the Bible. First Timothy chapter four and verse one it says, now the spirit expressly. He speaks expressly. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verses one through three. 
2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us as that that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So there are some that are going to depart from the faith. They're going to fall away, which meaning means that they will defect. You know what it means when someone defects? They'll defect. They'll revolt. They'll cause others to revolt. And here's another definition. This is crazy. They'll stand aloof or they'll stand off. Now, I'm going to say something a little bit strong right now. Because there are Christian people right now that are standing aloof and standing off. In a time when the church needs to come together and needs to stand for what God has said, and when men and women of God need to stand up in their pulpits and their podiums and encourage them to come into the house of God and to do what God says for them to do and to not forsake the assembling of the gathering together as the manner of some is, but to do what? Do it all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, don't get scared. Because what God said, remember, I said what God said is what's got to go on first. If he said, and his word never changes, it won't change. So now, if you have somebody telling you to do one thing and God says you do this, you got to make a choice. I'm telling you, it's come to that, folks. It's that you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? I didn't write Hebrews 10, 24, 25, 26. God wrote them. And he wrote them at a time when these people were dealing with authorities all around them, challenging them where their faith was concerned. A decision would have to be made. Because God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But as you see the day approaching, come together more and more and more. Somebody's going to stick with the Bible in these days. That's it. Somebody's going to stick with the Bible in these days. In the name of Jesus, somebody's going to do it. Somebody said, well, you'll be going against what somebody says. Folks, listen to me. I don't have anything against anybody who stands in authority, whatever. That's not, that's not my issue here. My issue here is what did God say to the church? What did God say to his people? And people have been praying for revival and move of God for God knows how many years, and the time is upon them. It may, it may not look like they think it's supposed to look, but the time is here. And if you're going to be a part of it, you're going to have to make a stand. Because if you think your life is more important than what Jesus said to do, you're going to end up losing it all. I would rather stand with the Lord and believe him to keep me, protect me, and to help things to come out of my mouth to help people to understand what the kingdom of God is all about and what everybody can have a part of in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now the church must walk in dominion is the first thing we, we looked at. There are four things that have to happen. The church must walk in dominion over Satan, Satan, 
demons, sickness, disease, poverty, manifestations of death, and disruptions in nature. There are natural disruptions in nature. There also are man-made disruptions in nature. And it doesn't matter what those disruptions are. It doesn't matter what kind of seducing spirits are out there. It doesn't matter what demon name, what name or tag he's got on his little helmet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether he's a principality, power, ruler of the darkness of this age, or a wicked spirit in heavenly places. Every single one of them fall underneath the dominion and the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave the church a commission before he left. And he told us in Matthew 28, 18, and 19, in Mark 16, 15 through 20, and in Acts 1, he told us what he expected of the church. Let's glide through those scriptures. Matthew 28, 18, and 19. Jesus said, let's read verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all power. Somebody say all power, please. All power. What does all power mean? All power. So that means he has all power. If he has all power, then that means the devil has no power. The only thing he's got in his pocket is lying and deception and fear. That's why fear is being promoted so heavily right now. But Jesus said, all power. Let's say that again, all power. All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now, let's just stop for a moment. In heaven and earth. So he didn't say just heaven, and he didn't say just earth. He said heaven and earth. So let me ask a question. Where does he have power? <laughs> in heaven and earth. So it looks to me like he has power in earth as well, doesn't he? Well, if he has power in earth, then somehow his power in earth has got to be exercised. The last time I checked the scriptures and what they said, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Who that belongs to him is left in the earth? Looks like it's us. So let's read this next scripture and we'll see what he's, these next two scriptures and we'll see what he's conferred upon us. He says, go you therefore and teach all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Look at there. He said, you do what I tell you, I'm going to be with you. <laughs> I won't ever leave you, and I won't ever forsake you. Did he say that or did he not say it? Come on now. So now he said, we're to teach all nations to observe whatever it is that he has commanded us. Folks, the church ain't going to be able to teach and do what Jesus said here by hiding in a little cubbyhole called your house or your apartment. You're going to have to get involved with people. I'm saying I'm having so much fun in going out and talking to folks and encouraging them not to give in to fear, giving them things to listen to, putting things in their ears, things to make them laugh, and to make them think. I went through a store last night, and I asked a couple of people. I said, do you know anybody that has coronavirus? And while I'm talking about this, y'all might think the same thing. Just think to yourself if you know anybody that has it. 
And those of you online, just think, do you know anybody that has coronavirus? She thought you, no. I said, so I want you to think about something. Think about what the major thing this whole hoopla is about. It's about promoting fear. And fear is what's putting people on lockdown. Lockdown. And you know what the thing about it's so crazy is they're making their own decision to be on lockdown. <laughs> I, was, I, I was communicating with another brother, and he said something real interesting, which I know and I agree with. He said, in so many words, the churches ought to be ashamed of themselves right now. And they said, the church has let people pull this thing off, and not one shot has been fired. I want you to just think about it. Just think about it. And our reference also was to the fact that the church has to understand what eternal life is all about. I hope I'm provoking some things and stirring some things up in your thinking. <laughs> so Jesus said, all power has been given to me. And then he said, go. 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 Did he say go, baby? Is that what you see in the Bible? Did he say go? He said go. Go. You can't go staying. <laughs> Hello. Hello. He said go. Go. Teach all nations or all ethnic groups. And you can break that down to all the individuals who are parts of those ethnic groups. So that means one-on-one -on -one is a big deal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mark 16, 15 through 20. He didn't t tell us to go and leave us without any equipment. We know in Ephesians 6, he gave us the full armor of God, but he gave us some other things. And this is a time, my brothers and sisters, for demonstration. From verse 15, he said to them, go you into all the cosmos and preach the gospel to every creature. See, this whole thing right now, and I may be being redundant, but the whole thing right now is designed by Satan more than anything to lock the church down. That's his number one objective is to shut believers down and shut the church down. Because if the church doesn't go about doing what God said, it makes it very easy for the enemy to take over and take ground. Very easy. If he keeps people from getting together and praying and speaking the word, proclaiming it, teaching it, praising and worshiping the most high God, man, he's got his battle won. Because the Christian people are afraid to go out and touch the lives of other people. This is a very serious thing in the world right now, and especially in our land. And one of the reasons why it is such an important thing on our land right now, because I'm telling you, like I've told you before, I'm going to tell you again. 
what Satan needs for his new world order is for the United States, its Declaration of Independence, its Bill of Rights, and its Constitution for, not of, for the United States of America, for all of that to fall. Yeah, he needs that. Desperately needs that. And we ought to make a decision. Are we going to let it all drop? Or are we going to stand? Hallelujah. 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 He goes on and says, He that believes and is immersed shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And then he said, And these signs shall accompany them that believe. I'm going to ask you online, are you a believer? I asked those of you who are here, are you believers? Are we believers? If we are, then he said, these signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. Ow! They shall lay hands on the sick. 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 <laughs> hands. We got hands. Do we know what hands look like? <laughs> Do y'all know what hands look like? Just hold your hands up in front of you for a moment. And here he said, the believers, they shall lay these on the sick and they shall recover. Niables. <laughs> Come on now. And so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. They went forth and preached everywhere, everywhere. Let his glory break out everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Let his glory break out everywhere. They went everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. Oh, Lord, somebody said, I want to see the power of God. Well, believers have been waiting and locking up inside of church buildings, waiting for it to happen inside the church. When Jesus said, this is part of the commission that I sent you out into the world to do. Amen. Somebody again, I'm having to scrape and hustle for amens this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Now, Acts 1 8. Acts 1 8. Jesus was getting ready to get out of here after his resurrection to ascend to the Father, take his seat at the right hand of the Father, declaring the place that the church has in heaven and in earth. And um, before he left, you know, he, he spent 40 days and 40 nights to them speaking of the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Now, this is a very interesting scripture here because it says he talked to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And later on down in this conversation, they wanted to know, uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, he's thinking on a much bigger picture and much bigger level than they were thinking. They're thinking of just about Israel. 
He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. So in other words, he said, don't you be concerned about that. Whatever the Father has put in his own power, let him handle that. But then he said, now I want you to focus on something. And which the, the same word is the, is the same word to the church. I want you to focus on something. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He said, now you got your mind on something in the future and nothing wrong with us thinking about the future. But he said, listen, don't be so hung up on the future that you forget about what you're commissioned to do right now. And the church for a lot of years has been so thinking about the rapture and the Lord coming, and it's gotten out of proportion. No, I didn't say it shouldn't be there. It's gotten out of proportion with what he said the church should focus on, which is one of the reasons why we're dealing with what we're dealing with right now, because we've got a bunch of believers who are scared they don't know what their commission is. Because if we knew what we needed to focus on, we would know that other stuff is going to take its place in due time, that the Father's got that in his power, but we need to do what he's putting power in us to do. And he didn't put the power in us to try to get out of here. He said, I'll take care of that. Don't you worry about it. You, I'll take care of that. You do what's right. You do what I ask you to do. I'll take care of that in due time. But what I need you to do right now is to focus on the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. And I need you to focus on this gospel being preached and demonstrated as a witness. Hallelujah. 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 All right. Now, second thing. Well, no, let's not leave that yet because there's some other scriptures here. All right. Look at Luke 10, 1 through 3. 8, 8 through 11 and 17 through 20. This is important, too. The church must walk in dominion over Satan, demons, sickness, disease, poverty, manifestations of death and disruptions in nature. Though that commission has never, ever, ever left the church. It was conferred upon the 12, the 70, then everybody who would be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Luke 10, verses 1 through 3. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Therefore, said he to them, the harvest truly is great. Uh, look at this. But the laborers are many. Oh, few. The laborers are few. Then he said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So that's something we can pray, can't we? As a church, and we need to pray it, don't we? So let's just take a moment. Lord, in the name of Jesus, send laborers into your harvest. Obviously, this is a harvest time. It doesn't look like it to men's eyes. But as I go about, as we go about, and we hear, we see, and we look at people, and the way that they're responding, there are people that are wide open. They can't even watch sports on TV anymore. They can't go to their favorite movie. Folks are ripe in a position right now where they got to hear what your people are saying. So it's our prayer this morning. Send laborers into your harvest. And here we are available as your people to do exactly what you asked in Jesus' name. Amen. He said to pray that.
Then he said, go your ways, behold. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I'm right. Laborers, if you pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his, into his harvest. Go your ways, behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Then let's glide down to verse 8. He said, no kidding, ain't right. And into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein, and say to them, the kingdom of God is come nigh you. But unto whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And let's go verses 17 through 20. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said to them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, behold. Let's do what he said. Behold, I give to you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, you, you know, they got fangs and stingers. Isn't that right? But he said, I give you power to tread on them and over all the power of the enemy. And there's only a few things that will be able to hurt you. Oh, really? Here's what he said. And nothing shall be able to hurt you. He said, nothing shall be able to hurt you. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Nothing shall be able to hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you know that that commission has never been withdrawn? It's never been withdrawn. So all God is looking for is somebody's going to stand on his word. That's all he's looking for. Amen. Not trying to figure it out. Not go run and hide. Just, just do what I said. So all he's looking for is somebody who do what he said. Glory to God. Glory to God. The kingdom of God is demonstrated through healing the sick, power exercised over all the works of the enemy, and nothing being able to hurt you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Second, the church must press towards unity. We know Psalm 133 talks about how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In, in, in Paul's writings and his epistles, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that God's made known the mystery to us, that in the dispensation of times, all things need to be gathered together in one in Christ. He tells us in chapter 4 that we're all the churches that come together in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's got to take place. The church must press towards maturity, growing up into Christ in all things. Y'all remember these things? Yes. Okay. And then he said that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the world as a witness, and then, not before, then. Come on, let's go to Matthew 24. Then. Then. So surely if that ain't happened yet, the end ain't here. 
Somebody said, but the word's being preached and proclaimed, but with demonstration. Because he said it will be preached as a witness. See, the mindset of God is a little bit different than the mindset of carnal men in the church. Because carnal men, carnally, carnally minded thinking people will just think, just pro proclaim some words, and that's all that matters. No, Jesus wants those words put out there, but he wants demonstration of that word so that everybody knows and sees that Satan is a defeated foe. Amen. Point blank. Period. Hallelujah. So in Matthew 24, let's go ahead and read from verse 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, See ye not all these things? Truly I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So there are three things that they asked about that. Not just when those things would happen then, but they want to know some other stuff too. Jesus said, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Or say, I'm anointed and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. But look what he said, see that you be not troubled. We are hearing of wars and rumors of wars. All my life I've heard of wars and rumors of wars all my life. <laughs> Korean conflict, Vietnam. Good Lord. War on terror. <laughs> Iraq, Iran, South America, wars, rumors of war. But notice in all this, he said, don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't be shook. Don't be shook. China coming to the United States. Don't be shook. Russia. Don't be shook. New world order. Don't be shook. <laughs> Did you hear what Jesus said? <laughs> Don't be troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Then he said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. But listen to this. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Folks, you're going to see that going on now. And people are being, being, even being asked to do this kind of stuff. Many false prophets are going to arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Now look at this. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. 
So this has to be done. Check out 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I want the Lord to come. Well, it looked like if you really want that, you would do what these apostles did earlier, and they wanted to try and hasten the coming of the Lord. They got out and did the work of the ministry. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul said, my preaching, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. All right, now I want to, in, in, in finishing this morning, I want to introduce something that's a part of the nature and character of God, because we're talking about knowing God and walking in his ways. So in Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24, which we read at the beginning, which has been somewhat of a foundation scripture for what we're talking about this year. Verse 23, 24, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. And we looked at loving kindness, but now I want to take this word judgment, and I want to play with it for a little bit here and introduce this as we finish for today. Judgment is from a Hebrew word that means a verdict either favorable or unfavorable, a verdict pronounced judicially, a sentence or formal decree, divine law, and you notice I put justice in big, bold letters because this is a big meaning of this word. King James uses the word judgment. If you don't look at that word and go back to the Hebrew, we have, we have a, a concept in our mind of judgment when it comes to God of him just doing something bad, knocking somebody out because they did something. Okay, but this is a whole nother ballgame he's talking about. Justice, rights. It is the act of sitting as a judge, hearing a case, and rendering a proper verdict. Oh, I'm going to read it again. It is the act of sitting as a judge, hearing a case, and rendering a proper verdict. See, now, folks, the judges in the earth and on our land, especially because we live here, are supposed to follow what God would follow. See, him sitting on his throne, he, as judge, wants to hear what goes on and then do what? Render a proper verdict or a just verdict. Do, does, do any of you remember when he was dealing with Israel and he, he gave Moses the Ten Commandments, gave him the law, gave him all these other things associated with it? And do you remember when Moses was sitting and he was trying to do all that stuff by himself? And remember what happened. His father-in-law came and said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to wear yourself out, dude. Amen. Trying to do all this. He said, what you need to do is get some other folks to help you. And, and confer upon them some of what you've got so that they can handle those other issues and then the big things, let them be brought to you. And so from that was to be set up 
everything that was supposed to go on with all the judges that would ever be in the earth, that they were to take what God's law said, and when people came before them with their issues, they were to listen and then give a verdict or proper verdict based on what God said about this situation. Not about a verdict based on what somebody was going to give them and pay them to make unjust judgment. See, that's why, why the judges of the land and the judges in the earth, they, just like the preachers, they're going to have to give account to God for the way they handle themselves. Because judges who will promote unjust justice, unjust judgment, they're going to have to give account to God. That's why judges need to be prayed for. And some of them are in a seat right now. They're in a, a hot seat. Because they got the kingdom of God pulling on them from one side. They got the enemy trying to get them to do other things. And they're sitting right in the middle. And many of them are being encouraged to go against God's law, against God's word, and against the Constitution for the United States of America and against the Bill of Rights. So they're in a really interesting position. Right now is the time you don't want to play around with being a judge or a preacher if you ain't going to do it right. So he, he goes, we go on with this definition. It also refers to the rights belonging to someone else. So God being a God of judgment or justice, he's interested in the rights that belong to somebody else. That sounds very similar to me, to what those cats wrote <laughs> on July 4th or what they put forth on July 4th, 1776 when they put the Declaration of Independence out there. It sounds just like that. Listen to this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these, they didn't even name them all. They said among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm going to ask you a question. If somebody's telling you that folks can't do what they want to do when they're going out in the street, does that sound like liberty? If they tell you you can't go to work, does that sound like? If you can't go to the gym, you can't exercise the way you normally, does that sound? Folks, listen to me. Hear me. Please hear me. I'm not trying to be rambunctious and I'm not trying to be hard or mean. I'm speaking the way I am because mainly we're dealing with devils and we're dealing with a, 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 a manner of thinking that's in the minds of men. It's got to be rattled. It's not about being hard on people and hard against people. It's about putting things out in the airwaves that are going to challenge people to drop the thinking that Satan has, has, has shaped on the inside of them. We got to bust that thing up. Because the only way that folks are going to have that thing, you, they think they're going to have to rattle the cage. And when that cage starts vibrating, it's like, oh, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, you got my attention. My thinking has been way off. And I've allowed the enemy 
to shape my thinking and to shape my life and to bring me to the point of fear to where I'll accept being locked down. And when my God don't want me to be locked down and neither do the founding fathers, did they want you to be locked down? Neither did those 13 colonies of the little United States of America. They didn't have it in mind for people to be locked down either. And folks, if you read through that whole thing and you go back in history, you'll find out that some of the same issues that they were dealing with are what we are dealing with right now. The stuff don't change. The devil ain't got nothing new. Same stuff. So anyway, he said, I'm going to read again. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pursue. To pursue something, you got to go after it, right? Pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Listen here. Listen here. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. It's the same reason that God instituted government amongst Israel. It's the same reason that he gave judges in the earth. Because they were to be there to make sure that people's rights that God gave them were upheld. Not to pervert it or do anything else. I'm just asking you to think, is that what you're looking at right now? You don't have to speak out loud if you don't want to. Just think about it. Deriving the just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness, Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed, don't miss this, more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. That's right, people just sit down and take it. Just take it. As long as I can, as long as I can, as long as I can get my toilet paper, I'm all right. <laughs> I can give me a can of beans, I'm all right. Gas prices are down, boy. You ever seen that? It ain't been like that in a long time. I can give me some gas, boy. I can fill up my tank. Good Lord. But what if you can't go to work? Can't earn no money to buy the gas. But, you know, while it's all right, well, you know, I got, I got this. And see, this, is, this has been a design of Satan all these years, is to play around with people and extract little bit by little bit by little bit so that people almost don't notice that they're losing things little bit by little bit until it comes to a point where it goes, bam, and you get hit. I can't go outside? What? I can't, go, I, gotta, I can't go to work and earn money? What? See, when that, when that hits, boy, what? But see, all the while, that little frog been boiling in the water. 
until finally he cooked. See, folks, while you still can, you'll stand. And what Satan is afraid of is people getting together and standing. That's why the lockdown is there. Because if we get together, just like some of them cats did in New Jersey a few months ago, and they get up in the face. See, the devil is full of fear. You may not think it, but he's full of fear. And when people stand up and they get in numbers and stand up against that fear, you know what? He's going to back down. And his emissaries are going to back down. But if you just sit and take it, you just sit and take it, then guess what? That's more ground that he's going to take. And as time goes on, people are going to realize, you know what? What happened to what I used to be able to do? Why is that gone? Little bit by little bit. Little bit by little bit. That was the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, July 4th, 1776. Now let's read these two scriptures. Psalm 89, 11 through 16, and then we'll go to Genesis 18. These will show us a little bit of this portion of God's nature and his what he desires, which we said we, he can be known by, by his people. In Genesis 18, and some of you may recall, this is the instance where um, God came to see what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And um, some representatives came. I believe he was in that representation. And I said, we, we come to check out what's going on here. And so after they found out what they needed to, I mean, they, they came and they, they also visited Abraham and Sarah and told them they were going to have offspring of their own. Of course, we know Sarah did what she laughed. <laughs> God said, is anything too hard for me? If we go to verse 16, Well, let's do this first. Let's read Psalm 89 first. I'm, 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 my bad. Let's do that first. Something we should get this picture of the Lord first before we read that scripture. So uh, Psalm 89 from verse 11. I apologize. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 89 from verse 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. As for the world and the fullness thereof, you founded them. The north and the south, you created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in your name. You have a mighty arm. Strong is your hand and high is your right hand. Look at this. Justice and judgment are the habitation or the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth shall go before your face. Now, look what he says here. Justice, righteousness, this stuff is the foundation of God's throne. So, in other words, his, his foundation is built on just verdicts, just righteous judgment going forth. He's not going to pervert justice. If he said it and there are rights that he's given to man, He's going to stand up for that if there's righteousness to be ex. Why do you think the Bible says that when this whole thing is done in the new heavens and the new earth is going to dwell what? Righteousness. Glory to God. So when he said this is the foundation of his throne, blessed is the people 
that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name they shall rejoice all the day, and in your righteousness shall they be exalted. Hmm. So, he's a just God. Amen? And wants righteousness and justice to be exhibited. And he said, my, my very throne is built on this. What I sit on is based on righteousness and justice. Now, let's go to Genesis 18. So from verse 16, the man rose up from this and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. He says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do justice. Uh-oh. So now what God is saying here in so many words is what I'm looking for is somebody to yoke up with me and stand up for what is just and what is right on the earth and in the lives of men and women. It's what he said, right? He said, I'm going to share with him what I'm going to share with him because I know that this is what he's going to stand for. So it's like, if we want to know the secrets of God and what he's got going on, then we're going to have to stand with him in what he's doing and what his nature and character are about. Yeah, I heard a loud amen. Hallelujah. For I know him that he will command his children and household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is grievous, I'm going to go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come to me and I will know and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom but Abraham stood before the Lord. I had that a little bit out of sequence before, right? But they, they, they turned their faces from there, and they went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood before the Lord. And check this out. Abraham drew near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Perhaps there be 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from you to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? We got a lot of righteous people just in this room right now. We got a lot of righteous people online. There are a lot of righteous people on this land. And the righteous people standing up for what God wants will be the thing that while the church and the body of Christ is here, we'll save things if we decide we're going to stand with the Lord. See, right now, guys, we are in, we're in a, a situation right now where the church has got to make some decisions. It's your pastor, 
I made mine. And I'm encouraging you, if you haven't, make yours. Those of you who are online, I'm encouraging you, make yours. Those of you who will hear a CD message, pull this up online later on. I'm encouraging you to make your decision. Because these are not times for the weak, the frail, the timid, the fearful. And if you happen to be in that category, it becomes very easy to get your way out of it. Just decide that you're going to get on the word of God. And you're going to feed on it. And you're going to let God be who he says he'll be inside of your life. And you're going to give him your life in service and not try to protect your own with your own power. Not try to protect yourself through compromise. Now, before we finish the service, we're going to give people an opportunity to give. We're also going to share whatever announcements we need to. But those of you who are watching and who will watch, we're going to give an invitation to you if you don't know the Lord to come. And if we have space on this message, David, let's leave this prayer on there if we have space for it, please. We want to pray with you, let you know that you don't have to be afraid of anything. If you come over to the God side, everything will be all right with you. And that's the most important thing right now, that you know that you have eternal life, God's life on the inside of you. So we're going to pray with you. If you want to close your eyes where you are, that's up to you. But I just want you to declare these words with me. If you believe that Jesus Christ, if you want to receive him as the Lord of your life and have life with him. So I want you to pray this. God in heaven, I believe today that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by your glory. You raised him from the dead so that I could have life. Not just life walking around on this earth, but to have you and your life come live on the inside of me. I want that. I need it. I desire it. And on my inside right now, I know it's the only thing that will make a difference in my life and existence for now and eternity. So I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. With my mouth, I now confess, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Come live in me. Take your place in me. The Holy Spirit to live in me. And all that you are and all that you desire, may it be in me and not just be in me, but spring up in me where I will understand every good thing that you have for me. And every man, every woman, every boy, every girl around me, I receive your goodness. And I also receive boldness in my life. I receive the knowledge that I need to go out and bring this message of your life to other people. Show me right now a people I can yoke up with. Show me right now a pastor 
a minister, a teacher, a preacher who's not afraid to tell me the truth and to give me what I need and give me the truth that your word declares. I'm asking you for that and I'm trusting you to bring all of that into my life and existence right now in Jesus name. Hallelujah. 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 Those of you who know the Lord already, let's lift our hands and give him thanksgiving and praise for the seed that's sown and that's been watered right now and believe him to surround whoever has made this, prayed this prayer that they be kept by the power of God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that seed being planted. It will not be struck, plucked up or destroyed. In the name of Jesus, it will be watered, nurtured, and that person, those people will grow up into mature men and women, boys and girls in Christ Jesus. We declare it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Well, laborers in the harvest, we're going out and we're making a difference in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.